horned owl just kind of hoots, hoo hoo hoo. But uh, barred owl kind of says, "Who cooks for you?" In its call. <laughs> That's Dudley Edmondson. He's a legendary outdoorsman and birder who has spent the last 40 years working and playing outside. From a young age, it was clear to Dudley that the outdoors is where he felt most at home. He loved birding and fishing, and he taught himself photography so he could document his adventures. He was able to build a career as a nature photographer, and over the past several decades, Dudley has worked with PBS, the National Park Service, the Nature Conservancy, and more. Dudley is also a cinematographer, speaker, and an author. In 2006, he published a book called Black and Brown Faces in America's Wild Places. He hopes that his books, photos, and film work will inspire the next generation of Black, Indigenous, and other people of color to get outside. I'm Shelby Stanger, and this is Wild Ideas Worth Living, an REI Co-op Studios production brought to you by Capital One. Dudley Edmondson grew up in Ohio, where his family enjoyed going to a local nature area to have picnics and go fishing. Throughout his upbringing, his parents struggled with alcohol addiction. But when the family went out into nature, all the negativity and tension from home would dissipate. Dudley felt calm and free. He realized that being outside was essential to his mental health. Eventually, Dudley fell in love with birding and decided to prioritize his relationship with nature even further by moving to northern Minnesota. Dudley Edmondson, welcome to Wild Ideas Worth Living. We're excited to have you on the show. Yeah, great to be here. So I'm really curious, you know, I don't think of Minnesota. I know it's the land of 10,000 lakes, but I never thought of it as the place to be a birder. Well, you know, I mean... Minnesota is a huge state, um, and you know I originally came here to be a professional nature photographer, and so I felt like I wanted to live in a place where nature was very accessible. I wouldn't have to work as hard as I had to in Columbus. You had to drive, you know, a couple of hours to Lake Erie, um, and there really wasn't any quote unquote wilderness in Ohio. Uh, that I, at least that I would consider, uh, but where I live here in northern Minnesota, about 150, 80 miles or so south of the Canadian border. I mean, I wilderness is everywhere. It's within walking distance. How did you get into birding? Yeah, I got into birds of prey in junior high school, uh, doing book reports on birds, the Philippine eagles, harpy eagles, all of those amazing birds. And then uh, my art teacher at the time, gentleman. Um, named Charles Gamble had a bird club and uh, he wanted to have us raise money so that we could uh, go down to South Texas and see things like whooping cranes and all of the species that are sort of specific to that area. And so we sold suckers and frisbees to all the high school kids and (laughs) tried to raise some cash for gas money to drive his beat up old Toyota Corolla down to uh, South Texas Padre Island area. And I kind of got hooked on birds at that time. What's like a typical birding session for you look like, or even a birding season? Uh, you know, I, I, I don't 
bird specifically to bird as much as I once did. That is to say where I would, you know, get in my car and get my binoculars and drive to some destination and go birding. These days, most of my birding is either done from my yard, which is my number one spot, or like I said, I'm fly fishing, you know, I'm looking for brook trout, but I'm also watching ospreys and eagles and herons, you know, um, or, you know, I'm making a run to the grocery store and, you know, there's there's bald eagles, you know, soaring over the parking lot or something like that. You know, birding has become an integral part of my life. It's not something that I necessarily set aside time to do. It's just it's on all the time. If if there's light in the sky and I'm outside, I'm birding. Okay, I love this because I think that there's this misconception that to bird, you've got to wear these like khaki pants, Duh. get a binocular, have a book, and then you got to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. But you're saying, you know, you can do it outside at the coffee shop. Oh, you can do it anywhere, you know. It, and and I guess I should, should preface all, all this to say that a lot of that has to do with the fact that I've been birding 40 years. So I don't need to see every single mark and hear every sound uh, because I have this Rolodex of images uh, that is, you know, four, four decades old. And what happens is my brain just matches up what I'm seeing with the, the information that's already in my brain. And then almost like jackpot in a uh, slot machine. And tells me, you know, that's a Northern Harrier. What did you do to cultivate this knowledge? Repetitive, just doing it all the time. But does um, it take? Do you take a book? Do you like? I mean, you've uh, you've I gone used through. To. Yeah, okay. I used to. You, I used to take books with. I used to always carry binoculars, um, and then I also used to listen to when I was going birding, driving to the location. I would listen to cassettes of bird calls or CDs that were birds that I would likely see when I got to where I was going to go. One thing Dudley loves about these animals is knowing just how far they travel. A warbler he sees in northern Minnesota can be in South America in a matter of weeks, or the golden eagles he spots from his backyard, they've traveled hundreds of miles from the prairies of Saskatchewan, Canada. It's almost like Dudley can travel vicariously through birds. Do you have a fun or a memorable birding story that you can tell us? Well, yeah, just a couple of years ago, two or three years ago, there was a a, a big invasion of common red poles, which is a, a species of bird that, that nests in the Arctic. And uh, they tend to start heading north towards the end of winter. Um, and so here in northern Minnesota, they, they pass through as they're, they're heading back north. And the thistle seed, and if you're lucky enough for them to find your feeders, they will come in in the tens of, and sometimes the hundreds and, you know, eat seed literally until it's gone. And, you know, again, these birds are from the Arctic, so they're not very familiar with, with people and, and don't have a lot of fear. And so they were in my backyard at my thistle feeders. And I was able to actually sit on the ground in and amongst them, and they would land on me. And I, you know, I was able to get these amazing photographs. Um, and one bird landed on the end of my camera lens, and I had my glasses on like I do now. 
And it landed on the lens close enough that it could see its reflection in my reading glasses. And it stopped. And it looked like, who is that? <laughs> who is that looking back at me? It, it had, you know, like it clearly had never seen itself before, right? And so I thought to myself, what is going through this bird's mind that is seeing itself for the first time? What is it thinking? And again, this is like, you know, a foot from my nose. So it was, it was a very unique and interesting view into the mind of a, of a bird who's seeing itself for the very first time. What do you love about birding? You know, I am a person who craves knowledge, information, learning new things. And I think birds, there's such a variety, colorations, behaviors, habitats, uh, that you're always learning something about them. Um, and so having... You know, here in Minnesota, I want to say 500 or more different kinds of birds you can see here. Minnesota is a is an amazing state. I mean, we have everything from prickly pear cactus in the southwest corner to giant uh, century plus old white pines in the in the north, and that variation in habitat gives you a lot of different kinds of birds that are possible to see. It's just the the possibility of new information that birds offer. Uh, is, it's endless, and therefore I, I can't stop. What have birds taught you about yourself and life? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I'm not sure I have a, an answer. I do know that birds make you feel feel like eternally hopeful at birds that they always seem to be cheerful in a good mood and you know they they just bring good vibes and I think that that positive energy that birds tend to have is probably part of what attracts people to them and to me also there's just a, a level of familiarity with with birds but but with nature in general you get to the point where you know exactly what time of year it is based on what you're seeing based on the birds the insects i know canadian tiger swallowtail butterflies tend to be some of the earliest butterflies um and you know blackbirds tend to gather at a certain time of the year uh i mean and almost you could literally tell time with nature When we come back, Dudley talks about his career as a nature photographer and cinematographer. He also tells us about his passion for sharing stories about Black, Indigenous, and other people of color working and studying outside. I have good news. The REI Co-op MasterCard turns everyday spending into limitless possibilities by offering benefits and rewards that support your love of the outdoors. The REI Co-op MasterCard is just available to members, taking your membership even further by offering 5% rewards on every purchase at REI, on top of your typical 10% Co-op member rewards on full price purchases. And there's a bonus. 
This card also includes a 1.5% reward on purchases anywhere MasterCard is accepted. Not only does the REI Co-op MasterCard benefit you as a co-op member, but it also gives back to the community by donating $2 million annually to the REI Cooperative Action Fund. Visit REI.com slash MasterCard dash podcast to learn more about these benefits and to apply. That's REI.com slash MasterCard dash podcast. Terms apply. It's time to start planning your spring outdoor adventures because believe it or not, springtime is right around the corner. After you decide which campsites to book and trails to hike, you're gonna wanna get your gear prepped. That's why I'm excited to tell you about Birkenstock's Mogami Terra Sandal. The sandal's designed to bring the comfort and support of their iconic contoured footbed to an outdoor sandal. The sandal also has their iconic adjustable dual straps and a hook and loop back strap to keep your foot feeling secure all day long. They're the perfect complement to your favorite trail and water adventures. With added durability, traction, and water resistance, Birkenstock has created an incredible off-road edition of their popular sandals for under $100. Check them out now at your local REI or at REI.com. If you're looking to go on more adventures this year, I have something you're going to love. Did you know that REI offers wholly immersive outdoor experiences where they manage all of the details? I'm talking bucket list vacations, like camping in Bryce Canyon or snowshoeing through Lake Tahoe. They'll even take you cycling through Alaska. REI organizes all of the accommodations and works with world-class guides to plan your outdoor adventure and make sure you're doing it safely. What I love most is that these trips cater to beginners and experts and are suitable for various groups, including families, women, and those under 35. That means that there's an adventure for everyone. With more than 100 trips from coast to coast, REI is sure to have a trip that will get you outside, learn new skills, and meet new friends for future adventures. And there's a bonus if you're an REI co-op member. Members save an average of $400 on each trip they book and get a bunch of other benefits. If you're not a member yet, we'll share a link in the show notes so you can join today. Visit rei.com adventures to find the itinerary for you. That's rei.com adventures. Over the last 40 years, Dudley Edmondson has become an expert birder and skilled outdoorsman. He guides birding trips in Texas, goes fly fishing, and is an experienced hiker. When Dudley started birding in high school, he never thought it would become more than a hobby. But spending so much time outside laid the groundwork for him to build a career as a nature photographer, cinematographer, and author. Your job is nature photographer as well as birder and author. Is that right? I do filmmaking as well. And filmmaker. Okay, so you do it all. How, how did you come to this career? You know, I tend to be a guy who just, as I've said many times, I get bored easy. So I'm constantly, you know, coming up with, with new things, and but always having that foundation, you know, nature and the environment, has been my foundation for, you know, 
my entire adult life, there's a component of the out of doors and nature that's involved in everything I do. So as the photography, maybe you're familiar with the photography market kind of slowed down, just like the newspaper magazine market slowed down because the um, technology and cameras improved. And so it kind of killed that that photography market. So I mean, these days, mostly what I do is filmmaking. Did you go to school for photography or film? No. I'm Self-taught? A, I'm, yeah, I'm self every every if you want to call them skills, every skill I have is 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 self-taught. Um and that is part of the fact that I understood early on that I was an experiential learner. I need to see things. Uh I need to be hands-on with stuff to actually learn something. Reading a few paragraphs, nothing. But put it in my hand, show me how to do it. And then I can mimic that, you know, behavior or the motions and movements you're doing. And then I teach my brain. So I've always been that type of person who learns by doing. And that's kind of how I taught myself photography and filmmaking, taught myself how to swim, watching numerous YouTube videos of Australian swimmers. Uh, and, okay, wait, uh, back up. How old were you when you taught yourself how to swim? Hmm, probably in my 40s. And you learned how to swim by watching YouTube videos? And then mimicking the behaviors and understanding that you need to push water in the opposite direction of where you want to go. That's awesome. I'm always, like, inspired by people who learn to swim or bike in their 40s. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. learning things in your 40s, yeah, it's hard. But it's so rewarding when you do. I think so, definitely, because people are telling you at that point in your life, you might not be able to learn a whole lot more because, you know, your brain's older. But it's like, no, you can. You know, I mean, learning is, is at least to me, it's a it's a lifelong thing and certainly is, I think, uh, part of what helps me get up every day and feel great. Like, OK, what am I going to learn today? What am I going to teach myself? I, I just uh, today I was learning about volcanoes before I came here. And, and how in Iceland and, and, you know, the eruptions and, you know, all of the cool things that happen in that process. And it's like, yep, yeah, I learned some new stuff today. I'm curious, you know, with the photography and filmmaking, what are you enjoying, you know, documenting right now? You know, I, I mean, I'm this getting the out of doors more ethnically and culturally diverse and getting voices of people of color heard and, Everything from conservation to outdoor recreation has been a huge passion of mine since uh, my first book, uh, Black and Brown Faces in America's Wild Places, that I wrote in 2006. And uh, so I've been trying to, you know, expand that um, with storytelling, film, you know, filmmaking. And, um, you know, so I'm, I'm always looking for stories. Of, of people that are doing amazing things in the out, out of doors. Uh, yeah, I'm finishing up my, my fourth book. Uh, it's called The People the Planet Needs Now. Um, and it's the perspectives and stories of roughly about 25 uh, BIPOC scientists and environmental and social justice activists from around the world uh, giving their perspectives on everything from climate change to industrial waste and uh, so that's really, I consider that to be really the next stage of my career is, is getting that book done and, and talking to people around the country about it and 
hopefully in, in best case scenario and bringing some of the storytellers with me on letting them tell their stories. When Dudley started out, he was one of the only blackbirders and nature photographers that he knew. That's part of why he spent his career focused on getting more people of color outside. In Dudley's new book, The People the Planet Needs Now, he features scientists, researchers, and activists around the country, including previous Wild Ideas guest, Karina Newsom. Dudley hopes that by sharing these stories, more people of color feel encouraged to go after their own wild ideas in the outdoors. So what's the advice that you give most often to aspiring birders, photographers? Just keep keep practicing. You know, find the thing that you love to do and continue doing it. I mean, happiness seems to be a thing that as human beings we think is temporary. We think that bad things are normal and happiness is like a cloud or mist that it just happens for a short period of time and then it goes away. And that is not true. You can be happy indefinitely, but you have to make sure that you do the work to make it happen. You can affect change in your life. And if if happiness means that, you know, you're a beach bum and you wait tables, you know, in the winter or whatever, and then you surf all summer, then then that's what it is. Just do it. You know, Are you calling I mean, me out, Dudley? I mean, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I just think that people should pursue their happiness more than they do. People, people chase money and prestige and, um, you know, these quote unquote achievements. Uh, and, and, and I think people should put more energy and effort into pursuing happiness and, and less about, you know, having a six figure job and, a you know, three-bedroom, two-bath house, although shelter and money is important, but happiness is also important. Any advice to people who just want to live more wildly? Maybe they want to pursue a wild idea and have a wild career. Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing that immediately comes to mind is is get used to thinking differently and being potentially temporarily mentally or physically uncomfortable. We're so accustomed to being comfortable and being in, uh, having the ability really to control our environments. I mean, I'm in a studio now talking to you and I'm sure that we can make this room any temperature we want it. And in nature, in the outer doors, you don't have that luxury. You have to dress for it or be uncomfortable. Uh, or die, perhaps, if you're really a, a bad planner. So I just feel like being uncomfortable and uh, enjoying new experiences and, uh, you know, just challenging yourself is, is part of it. Because when you achieve the things that you wanted to achieve, it's so much more rewarding. Uh, I remember the very first time I started traveling back in the very, very early 80s, um, I would drive from my home in Columbus, Ohio to Chesapeake Bay to go bird watching and camp the whole, you know, I didn't stay in hotels, I car camped. And at one point it, it dawned on me, I said, if you can survive 
on your own, your own wits, sleeping, you know, in campgrounds in the woods and parks and things like that. If you can do all that on your own for like 10 days in a row, what can't you do? You know, I challenged myself and then I started to realize that if I can do this, I can do just about anything. Uh, And that's what I think adventure does is it teaches people how to, you know, surviving is, is maybe too simple, but it just, you, you, you think more critically, you kind of MacGyver stuff, you know, it's like, well, I need shelter. My tent poles busted. Three days ago, a windstorm came through, but I still have the tent. How do I, you know, make this work? And so you just, you just get to this point where you just are become a really good problem solver. I think that's one of the things that adventure has taught me is my problem solving skills are, are huge because of just having had these experiences where, oh, you know what, I'm out here, I can't go to Walmart, you know, or I can't change this, the channel or, or change the thermostat, I've got to find another layer, I've got to figure something out to make this thing work. I'm running out of Vienna sausages, you know, and so you, you have to improvise and adapt and that is what nature adventure teaches you, is, is all of those amazing skills. You can learn more about Dudley, his work, and his books on his website, DudleyEdmondson.com. You can also follow him on Instagram at Dudley.Edmondson. That's D-U-D-L-E-Y dot E-D-M-O-N-D-S-O-N. If you like this episode, check out our interview with Karina Newsom, a friend of Dudley's who's also an incredibly enthusiastic birder. You can find the link to that episode in our show notes. Wild Ideas Worth Living is part of the REI Podcast Network. It's hosted by me, Shelby Stanger, Produced by Annie Fassler, Sylvia Thomas, and Sam Pierce-Nitzberg of Puddle Creative. Our senior producers are Jenny Barber and Hannah Boyd. Our executive producers are Paolo Motola and Joe Crosby. As always, we love it when you follow the show, take time to rate it, and write a review wherever you listen. And remember, some of the best adventures happen when you follow your wildest ideas. (laughs) ¶¶